Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. It is great to have you each and every one of you with us and everybody that's joining us online right now. Welcome to Promised Land. Uh, it's an honor to have you, and we are welcoming Dr. Andy Yarbrough to Sam Marcus. Good morning. Come on, give him a big Sam Marcus welcome. Uh, I met him in July of this year when I went with about 17 other uh, pastors to a retreat in Montana, and it was awesome. It was, awesome. And, it was uh, awesome. And and he was one of the few guys that was not a pastor, but. We needed him there <laughs> because he began to just drop some nuggets on us. And um, I was just really, really um, uh, touched by how God was using him to minister to us. And uh, after that, I reached out and said, hey, man, I need some help. So I started meeting with him virtually on Zoom. And uh, he started giving me some counseling and some coaching personally. He lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and um, he is a doctor in psychology and has an incredible practice in, um, in Baton Rouge, just, just helping so many different types of people. So we welcomed him here this weekend to do a parenting seminar. We had him here on Friday night and Saturday, and the parents got so much, so much out of it. Um, why don't you share just a little bit about what you're doing in Louisiana? Yeah, so... Um my name is Andy. Um, I've been married 20 years. Uh, my wife's name's Melody. She's my much better half. I wish she could be here this weekend. We got three kids. Um, so like many of you, we've been operating on pure air and caffeine for a while. Um, <laughs> we, we do own a practice called the Well Clinic uh, in Baton Rouge. And the reason we call it the Well Clinic is because obviously wellness is a part of that, right? But also in John 4, the lady shows up at the well and leaves with something she doesn't even know she needs to ask for. Wow. And so that's, that's why we're called the Well Clinic. If you're interested in any of the, our, you can go to our, our website, mywellco.life. Okay. That's not the clinic website, but it's a mywellco.life. We'll post that also on our social media yeah, stuff, uh, so we'll let people know. Yeah. Follow them, but yeah, our mission is we guide people into hope, wellness, and life. And every one of those words means something to us because people are more than the sum of their struggle. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression or anything at all, I just want you to hear me say, we're going to talk about health today and uh-huh. authority. And yeah. um, you are way more than the sum of that thing you're dealing with. Yes. And yes. God's called you to something a lot greater and can use yeah. that to shape you and your testimony yeah. and what he's doing in you and through you. So, Yeah. Um, one thing that God showed me this year was when I was just kind of looking at the year is the one thing that is so all-encompassing is not the only thing. And there's many other things that God's yeah. doing in our lives. So, um, and, and real quick, I just want to tell you I love you. Oh. And I, I appreciate you, man. Wow. Because I, to, for people to bring me in and talk about this stuff, they really care about health and they care about the health of the church. So I just want to honor you. Wow, thank and you. tell you, thank yeah, you. man. I, um, if, uh, if you didn't make the parenting, I know there's a lot of people busy doing a lot of different things. If you did not make the parenting seminar, he has a book that he's written called Values-Based Parenting, and it's on his website, so we'll put the link uh, on our different 
channels, and um, it's a short read. It's yeah. you know it's it's easy to read. It's very short. It's very practical. Um, it has much of the content that you covered um, in the course. So if you you're interested in that, uh, just a really really good. Uh, way to look at parenting. So we started a series last week called Health Check, and I jumped in week one with spiritual health and talked about how uh, we're a spirit, a body, and a soul, and uh, really dove into, it's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, and Zechariah 4, and um, how, how we, need to, we need to recognize our spirit and that it's a big part of our life, but I'll I really wanted to bring someone like you in to talk about mental health um, because it's something that I think Christians, depending on our background, but many Christians kind of slough it off or don't really talk about it. Um, there's a lot of stigma around it. So what, how would you differentiate or you know, talk about spiritual health and mental health? So, so health in general is the optimization of well-being and flourishing. So a lot of times we think about mental illness, but we get, we get so locked into the idea of what's wrong with us that we forget that we've been created to not just survive, but to thrive. Yeah. That's the way God has designed us, and sin destroys that, struggle can destroy that, but that we, there's an authority that we have. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But health overall is the optimization of our well-being and our flourishing. So when you talk about spiritual health, spiritual health is the well-being and flourishing of our spirit, and like you said, it's connected to God at all times. Mm-hmm. Honestly, all of who we are spiritually is about connecting to God like a tree plants in the ground and receives. Jesus talks about that in John 15. Yeah. Abide in me. Mm-hmm. Wait on me. Trust in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, and he talks about the healthy fruit that comes from abiding. So spiritual health is all about connecting with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But it flows into our mental or our soul health. And the word mental has to do with our cognitive functioning, our mind. And that's not just what you think. It's how you think. And I would propose to you that how you think is often more important than what you think. Okay. Think about sausage. Okay. <laughs> I didn't talk about this in the last service. You, if you put pork in a sausage machine, uh-huh. it's coming out of sausage. Mm-hmm. But you can put like dirt, and it comes out as dirt sausage, right? <laughs> the, the, the machine is as important as what you put in it. Okay. Does that make sense? That sounds like a terrible... As I'm saying this out loud, it sounds like a terrible illustration, <laughs> but I, th- I think you're tracking with me, right? Right. How we think is crucial because it handles and processes what comes in. Mm. Mental health is the health of how we process things, but it's also connected to our will, mm-hmm. which is how we make decisions and our emotions. Emotions are the parts of our experiences that stamp those experiences with meaning, so if it's a positive experience or positive emotion, yeah. it tends to be positive meaning. If it's a negative emotion, it tends to be a negative yeah. meaning. Although that's not tr- always true, but that's the tendency. And so yeah. the word mental health is connected to soul health in that regard. It's the optimal well-being and flourishing of your mind, how you think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of your will, mm-hmm. the health of how you make decisions, mm-hmm. and of your emotions and how you flourish. And our, our mental health, our soul health, our spiritual health, they're deeply connected because a lot of the ways that we talk about spiritual formation and soul health, they really are wrapped up in the same processes. Yeah. 
So one way to think about this is if your soul is the software of a computer, mm -hmm. right? We're looking at this screen. I'm going to throw some things up there on a minute. Let's say the software driving this thing is our soul. Mm -hmm. The spirit is the electricity that powers it. Okay. So your soul can be okay, but it's on borrowed time and power. It's the Spirit of God that comes in and empowers and, yeah. and, and does what we need to do. So they're yeah. intimately connected in that wow. regard. That's awesome. So well-being and flourishing. It seems like to me the one, the one area that like, we all need to talk about when it comes to mental health is stress. Stress comes into our life, and it just can become disastrous. And uh, work, family, finances... Um, even in the church world, uh, you know, all these different spheres, whether it's, you know, finals time at school or whatever, there's stress that happens. How does that interact with mental health? So stress um, is all stress really is, is it's your body and your soul. Now, your soul is your mind. So what you think and how you think, your will and your emotions. All stress is is your body and your soul's response to environmental and circumstantial changes. That's it. So let me say that again because I, I think sometimes stress gets a bad rap. Okay. All stress really is is it's your body and your soul responding to the changes in your environment and in your circumstances. That's all stress so is. If, so if my life's just cruising along, nothing's different, everything's just normal, everything's just Low fine. stress. There's, there's low stress. But then when change happens... With what categories you say? With the environment or circumstances? Yeah. Circumstances or environment change, stress happens in that just because there's change. Yes. So stress isn't inherently good or bad. It's just a, it's just a part of life. You can have too little stress. Actually, research shows that too little stress, you get bored. Mm. Think think about stress as being just changes in your environment and your circumstance. If you're not changing or responding to that change, or even with creativity and vision and mission, creating stress because of change. Does that, does that mean, even good change can be stressful because yeah, it's change. It's different. You get bored. You, hmm. you, you lack vision. You lack meaning. It sabotages your well-being because we need meaning in life, creativity in life for well-being and flourishing. But you can have too much stress, and it just overwhelms you and ends up, it can shut you down. Distress. Huh? That's distress. That is distress, yeah. Good stress is called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, -S, in that optimal range. Too little is not good. Too much is not good. Okay. So let me give you a visual. So can I see that all right? Yeah, we can put it up. Yeah, all right, we go. so this is, the, this is the anatomy of every single experience you and I have. And I want to, I want to, this is a good visual of how we respond to stress. So every experience that you and I have is wrapped up in this. I call it the anatomy of an experience. Okay. All right. So the thoughts, they're not what you should think, what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> so we think something. Yep. Whether we should or not. Yep. We think it. It's an experience, right? Yep. The behaviors, it's not what you should do. It's what you actually do or want to do. Okay. Right. And if we're honest with our, we've got to be honest with ourselves about this stuff because we're talking about the reality of our experiences, not what right. we should, mm -hmm. what's really going on in us. Our emotions, paying attention to our emotional state's important. Sometimes we don't like the emotions that we have and we want to shove them away, but when we do that, we're shoving away a part of us. Okay. A lot of people, don't, we don't want to be angry, right? Mm -hmm. 
But if we shove that anger away, it's going to leak out somehow. And all anger really is, is it's an emotion that's communicating to us that a boundary line has been crossed, a value has been violated, or an expectation has not been met. So if we don't actually pay attention to that anger, Mm -hmm. then we're missing that information. Yeah. Does that make sense? Jesus said, be angry and don't sin. Yes. He didn't say, don't be angry. Yep. Yep. So there's there's a line that you can cross in anger. Yes. There is a line, and it's about authority. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. The body, we have a brain. We have a body. Our brains and bodies are wrapped up in the totality of our experiences. Every experience we have have neurophysiological correlates, all within the context of our environment, which is our setting, Uh our circumstances, which are what's happening in the setting, and then the setting events of our lives. Setting events are... um, Anything that's happened in your history or in the background of your life that increase or decrease the likelihood that a particular experience will happen. So let me give you a couple examples of this. I love Christmas. I listen to Christmas music all year. And before you judge me, <laughs> there are some high-quality Christmas albums yep. out there that deserve to be listened to. I, I, anybody, any vinyl player, any yeah. record player, yeah. record oh, yeah. out there? I got a new vinyl player, Audio Technica. I see the hand out there. I got a new vinyl player for Christmas. My daughter bought me some old school Christmas albums. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Mm -hmm. it was good. It was it was a good time. (laughs) Why why does that Christmas for me through the years has been a time where my whole family has gotten together? Yeah, it's when I get to see them. It's been amazing. But some of you hear me and your experiences of Christmas. Maybe you've lost someone, Mm -hmm. and the grief of the holidays bring up. You've been set up to have, doesn't mean you have to have those. You've just been set up to have Mm -hmm. those. Let's say we go to school, a 10-year-old boy, somebody looks at him funny. He Mm -hmm. punches him in the face, and Mm -hmm. he goes to the principal, and they're like, what the heck? What Mm -hmm. what are you doing? And he's like, well, the environment, school, the circumstances are, are, um, the kid looks at him funny. And all the kid Mm -hmm. knows is he felt fire in his face. He felt anger. He thought, oh, no, you're not going to do that. And then he punches him in the face. The kid gets sent home uh, suspended from school, but nobody stopped to ask about the kids' setting events. Mm. So nobody stopped to ask that the kids' parents' significant other had been physically abusing him for the past six months. Wow. What is the most important part of that experience? Mm-hmm. The setting events. So we don't, setting events can be positive, negative, but every experience we have mm-hmm. looks just like this. Yeah. So when change happens in the environment and in our circumstances, that's stress. Your body can respond Cortisol is released, which is the stress hormone. It just, it's activating you, yeah. getting ready to move. You can have um, aches and pains. Anybody ever get stress headaches? Yep. That's called psychosomatization. Psychologically be- meaning the soul or your emotions. Soma, soma meaning the body. All that's happening is your body is converting the symptoms of your soul into something you feel physically. Wow. Our bodies are fascinating. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fascinating. So, so we think something, that's our thoughts. Yeah. We do something, that's our behavior. And we feel something, that's our emotions. And our, the way we think, the way we act, and the way we feel is based on our environment, our circumstances, and setting events that's in our life. And I think one thing that's really come home to me this weekend is that my setting events are different than your setting events. Yeah. And so it's so easy for us <laughs> to judge other people's behavior based on our own set of, 
you know, environment, circumstances, setting events, and not really understand. I mean, it's not an excuse for someone to do something illegal, unethical, or whatever, but it, it does help understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And I think being aware, I think being aware of my own is where we start, you know, like I need to really dig into the setting events of my life. And I think um, uh, thinking through that, praying through that, talking with other people about it is really helpful to start seeing why I'm acting this way because of setting events that happened when I was a kid, emotions I'm feeling, thoughts that are going through my head, then cortisol, dopamine, serotonin, yeah. adrenaline, all these physiological things that are happening in my body at a certain time. It's really, really interesting. Well, and if we, if we stayed on this for just a minute, um, there's something called the fundamental attribution error. And it's when someone does something to you that you don't like and you attribute it to their character, you judge them, rather than attributing to some external circumstance that might be motivating that particular behavior. Mm-hmm. When we judge people's character, now we do need to make judgments about what's healthy or not. And our yeah. culture doesn't understand the distinction between these two things. Mm-hmm. We can judge something that's healthy or not, but withhold judging the character of someone. Yeah. That's, we leave that up to the Lord. But mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm standing in a, a, thea, you know, a, a line in a movie theater, and somebody runs past me and hits me in the shoulder and says nothing and keeps running, and I'm like, what an idiot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I judge that person, and I put that person in the box of my judgment. I can't see them as a whole person. I only see them within the context of my judgment. Yeah. But if I take a step back and realize, you know, there may be more going on to the story. And in fact, that man got a call that his son had been in an accident and he was running to his car to get there. Yeah. Is he an idiot? No, he's a dad who's worried about his son. Yeah. Yeah. It helps build empathy. And I think these kind of frameworks help us love people more effectively, build empathy towards people, really lean in and, and try to understand people are going through a lot. And if we can lean in, like you said, it's not an excuse but it, we can explain and build empathy and understand so we can take ownership and move towards healing and growth. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Those are true those are, healing Yes, from the core yep. all the way up. Be- because people can be going through all sorts of things when stress hits. They can deal with the body stuff, emotions between fear. Their, their thought life could be worrying a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing things behaviorally that where they're, like, we're trying to escape the anxiety and the level of stress, so we do things we might normally not do, but mm-hmm. we're doing them because we're just so overwhelmed. And if we're judging people for that, mm. we can say that's not healthy. That's the, but if we're judging people for that without really trying to understand how stress is impacting us and what's going on, including ourselves. Yep. Not, not an excuse, but an explanation that moves us towards understanding so we can own it and move towards healing. I think that's the game. Yeah. That's the game changer. Yeah, that's good. So what does the Bible say about this stuff all right that's kind of important isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i love science but i i I love science but i don't want to sacrifice my faith on the altar of science yep right we we lean in because we believe the bible is our eternal contemporary Mm -hmm. so what does the bible say or not say about this and interestingly the bible never commands us to not be stressed okay so just let that sink in for a minute Thou shalt not be stressed. The Bible never commands us to. Because remember. Because God, God created our bodies with the cortisol in there. 
Yeah, he created it to respond. For us to be alerted. If not, we just get beat up all the time and not yeah. be aware of the change. Yeah. Jesus experienced stress. We'll talk about this later, but Jesus experienced stress so much in the Garden of Gethsemane that his body was literally exploding. Mm. His body was responding to the level of stress and the blood vessels burst in his body and he bled through his skin. Unbelievable. Was yeah. that sin? No. Nope. No, his body was just trying to process what was, what was going on. Mm. The Bible never tells us to not be stressed. All stress is is the body and soul's response to, that, to those environmental changes. The scriptures implicitly acknowledge the reality of stress, yeah. right? But instead, the scriptures, the scriptures not commanding us to do the impossible, like don't be stressed. But we do get instructions on how to handle stress when it happens. Okay. So one example of this is when Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He gets to the last part of his letter, and he's like, rejoice. Uh-huh. Okay, Paul. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Rejoice in the Lord yeah. always. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. And yeah. It's like, hold up. <laughs> what, what are you talking about, Paul? Paul's not saying don't be stressed. Anxiety is when stress goes to a different level of negativity. Okay. Anxiety is when we start having our bodies respond in unhealthy ways. Uh, uh, anxiety is when uh, we start to negatively appraise and cultivate worry. Anxiety has uh, emotional states of fear and mm. dread. I would even say Jesus, it's not, anxiety is not necessarily sin because what Paul is not saying here is don't be anxious. What he's actually saying is don't be actively anxious. Mm. That's the context of the passage. Does that make sense? Yeah. He's saying don't foster anxiety. We'll talk about that for a minute. He says, um, but in everything, with prayer, petitioning, thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What is it guarding our hearts and our minds from? Anxiety creates chaos in our thought life and in our emotions. So the peace of God is guarding our hearts and minds from the chaos that anxiety brings. And then he goes on to say something else. He says, finally, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. And then he's like, listen, if you can't find any of that, just find anything excellent or praiseworthy. <laughs> then think, think on about those, those things. things. Yeah. And then he says, whatever you've learned or received, put it into practice. In other words, do it. So when Paul says, is everybody with me still? Yep. So when Paul says, rejoice Pray, petition, give thanks, present requests. All of these are actually attitudes that involve behaviors. Okay. They're all, they all require behavior. When Paul says think on these things, that is an instruction regarding your mind and your thoughts. Paul is actually giving us targets for the thought mm -hmm. that anchor our thought life outside of the object of our worry. Say that again. When Paul says, whatever is, somebody's like, yep, say that again. You got to eat this. You know, I grew up milking cows. Anybody dairy farm? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. You're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm alone. I mean, we have cows down here. <laughs> cows chew that cud, right? They bring it up and eat it and swallow it and bring it back up. It's gross, 
but it's a really good illustration of what I'm talking about. We've yeah. got to eat this stuff and let it, it get in us. When yeah. Paul says, whatever is true, mm. what he's doing is giving your thought life a different anchor than the object of your worry. So instead of thinking about the object of worry constantly or on an ongoing basis, he's saying switch your thought to identify what is true. Think about that. Yeah. What is noble? Think about that. Yeah. What is right? That's think so about good. that. What is pure? Think about that. We're not ignoring the object of the worry. We're just re-anchoring our thought life into something that actually brings life and authority. Yeah. It yeah. brings well-being and flourishing. We don't ignore the issue. That's yeah. not at all what I'm talking about. Yeah. We acknowledge the reality of the issue. We just don't agree with it. Mm. We switch our thought life. So, and when he talks about peace, that's not just a good idea. Mm -hmm. It is a reality of peace in our lives. So Paul is helping us understand. When he's writing to the church in Philippi, as we read, mm. Paul is helping us understand that authority, your authority, over an unwanted experience is more important than the absence of that unwanted experience in your life. Mm. Let that sink. I'm going to say that yeah, again. Yeah. Authority. Paul cares more about your authority. God cares more about your authority because authority is connected to identity. Mm -hmm. When you really start to understand who you are and whose you are. Yep. It, it, the issue of the absence of a problem is less important yep. because as you foster authority in your mm -hmm. life, you mm -hmm. realize that I can get authority over mm -hmm. unwanted experiences. Mm -hmm. If my goal is just to get those things to go away, mm -hmm. the, the problem may go away, but I might have gotten it to go away in an unhealthy way, and I sabotage my growth. I've mm. sabotaged an awareness of who I am. Mm. I've sabotaged the authority that God wants Man. to give me for the next thing that comes back That's up. so good. God cares more about our authority over yeah. something than the absence of that unwanted thing in our lives. And so authority, here's the thing. Authority is often fostered when we understand the anatomy, not just of our experiences, mm -hmm. but the anatomy of our attitudes. That is the anatomy of every attitude that we have. The inside of the anatomy of an experience is your attitude. Remember I said rejoice yeah. is an attitude? Here's the kicker to this. You don't have to feel an attitude to foster an attitude. And foster means what? To cultivate it. Okay. To see it manifest. So before I feel rejoice... <laughs> Before I, before I don't start with the feeling of rejoicing, I just start with fostering rejoicing. Yes. So a lot of us, a lot of us might have, we might not look like this, but a lot of us might have come in here feeling like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And remember, our bodies are connected to our, yeah. to our attitude. Any of you got any teenagers? Mm -hmm. okay. And that teen looks at you one day and goes, I know you didn't. <laughs> that, I brought you into this world. Am I, am I the only one that, that something like that? I can take. How do you know they had an attitude? Their body. Their facial expressions. Uh -huh. It communicates something. Right. So if I'm dealing with anxiety and depression and I'm curled, one of the reasons worship is so powerful is worship says, I don't feel like rejoicing. Mm -hmm. 
But Lord, I'm going to open myself up. Okay. Do you see the difference? In fact, I'm, do this with me real quick. We'll bend over uh-huh. and, and, and bend over. And I want you to kind of rock back and forth. And just think about what anxiety and depression feels like with an attitude of this. Uh-huh. What struggle and anxiety, stress uh-huh. feels like. Uh-huh. Now I want you to sit up straight, put your chest out, take a deep breath in. Stand up with me and lift your arms. And say, God, I rejoice in God, you. I rejoice in you. What we just did was use our body, our thoughts, and our behavior to foster an attitude of rejoicing. And because they're all connected, we can trust that the emotion will eventually follow. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. All yep. right. Y'all yep. sit down. So, Man, so ultimately, yeah, well, ultimately. Let me just say this. I, I feel this. Um, like, when, when we engage with that fostering of rejoicing, um, it's more than just a physiological thing. It, it, I think that opens the door, but then God's spirit really does come in, and we do, we do feel it. You know, there is that um, emotional response, but, it's, it, but it is truly God coming in. One, one way we tend to think about that is people will often do what we just did and think they're performing to earn mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. We're not earning or performing. We're positioning to receive what's That's already good. been earned in the cross and the resurrection. That's so good. Yeah. So yeah. think about that. You don't have to earn this. Mm. You're just positioning yourself to receive it in the way you just described. Yeah, that's good. Um, so what Paul's saying here, you don't have to feel an attitude to foster it. It's, it's okay to be stressed. All stress is are those changes and our response to those changes we're going to experience anxiety, but we don't have to foster it. We can foster authority. And Jesus mentions this. I'll say this real quick. Sure, But sure. Jesus, Jesus mentions this in Matthew. He says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear, because the Father knows you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and being right in relationship with him, and everything else will be added to you. Yeah. Guys, if we were starving to death, we had no water, and running around naked, and we heard some random guy walk up and say, don't worry about those things, we'd have <laughs> thought he lost his mind. <laughs> what? Yeah. This dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jesus was operating from a different paradigm. He wasn't minimizing basic physical needs. He, was, he acknowledged that we have those. He was making the larger point that what we seek first organizes the rest of our lives. So if we're seeking first a solution to our problem, our problem is actually organizing our lives. Mm. So what he's actually saying is, listen, seek me first. And this is a general principle. We seek him first. We seek health first then those things actually organize mm. how we see the struggles yeah. in front of us. And he models this for yeah. us in the garden. Man, that's so good. The way you said it, uh, if we're seeking to fix a problem, then that is organizing the rest of our life. But if we're seeking God, seeking the kingdom of God, that organizes the rest of it our life. It gives us a different perspective. Yeah. And it's true for every area of life. Oftentimes, spiritual principles carry into psychological ones. I'm going to seek first Jesus, and from that, I'm going to seek first health and flourishing. Then I'm going to deal with the reality of a stressful situation or healing if I have trauma in my past. I'm going to not ignore it. I'm going to heal. Yeah. I'm just going to let it heal under a different perspective. Does so that, you're saying, does that make sense? Yeah. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was stressed 
and he's so stressed that he has this thing happen with his body where his blood vessels are exploding. Yet he fosters, or he, he stewards that part of him well. Yeah. So we will have that same, if Jesus went through it, we're going to go through it. Yep. Stressful situation. His body was responding. His soul was responding. He had a part of his soul that tried to talk him and the father out of going to the cross three times. Mm-hmm. Is there another way? Is there another way? Is there another way? Right, right. But that wasn't sin. Mm. It was just a response to the stress, but Man. he led that well. That's so good. For the joy set before him, he endured that cross. For mm. the glory of the father and for our salvation and our joy, he followed through with it. And So here's the deal. What the Bible says about stress, mm-hmm. foster authority, and focus our pursuit. Okay. That's what helps us foster well-being, our mental health, our soul yeah. health, yeah. well-being, our flourishing. Mm-hmm. When we can lean into that, and I know there's a there's a lot we could talk about. Yeah. But I want to just plant and water the seeds that are already in your culture with this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, authority and a focused pursuit. Yeah. So, what are some steps we could take from here? Practical things we can do. Well. So, all right, so let's get a little practical here. Um, relationships. Relationships are really, really important. Yeah. Because there, there's some research that suggests that loneliness, not just feeling alone periodically, but true loneliness, uh-huh. increases mortality rates like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Okay. Not healthy. What? <laughs> Loneliness increases the likelihood that we die earlier than we're supposed to. Wow. Get in a small group. <laughs> Get in a group. Get in a community, yeah. Get in a community that loves you because what happens in community is we don't get stuck in the echo chamber of our own chaos. Yeah, yep. We get people who love us. We're not uh-huh. perfect. Uh-huh. None of, no church is perfect. People aren't perfect. That's not the point. We love you. Yeah. And we love each other and we reflect back to each other mm-hmm. our value and worth in mm-hmm. God's eyes and in the eyes of others. And it mm-hmm. breaks the bondage of loneliness yeah. and helps us foster emotional health and well-being and spiritual health and well-being. Yeah. Another, um, another uh, um, really helpful way to foster th- this is gratitude journaling. Has anybody ever done gratitude journaling? Yeah. Has it been helpful for you? Everybody who journals... So two or three times a week, get you a little notepad, mm-hmm. set it by your bed, and bullet point out, what am I thankful for? Yeah. It fosters an appreciation in us and a contentment in us that actually fosters joy. And fostering gratitude, so many times anxiety, we, we only see through the, through yep. the lens that of the anxiety. Yep. Gratitude opens that up. Mm-hmm. And helps us see the broader resources that God has given us. Right. And it, gratitude journaling is really, really yeah. powerful. It's good. Um, another way to help foster emotional health and well-being and to include spiritual health and well-being into this is, is breath work. It's, it's breathing. Has anybody ever done deep breathing? Mm-hmm. That helped too. You're journaling. You're breathing. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I might could have just brought you up here to do this. That would have been <laughs> awesome. It, but it, it works, doesn't it? All right. So I'm going to set that down for a minute. 
I'm going to let's actually practice this. You guys okay with that? Yep. All right. So I'm going to teach you how to do one type of breath work, and then we're going to add prayer to it. Is everybody okay closing your eyes? Uh-huh. All right. So what we're going to do to start with is we're going to blow out through our mouth like you're breathing through a straw. And we'll empty all the air. Then we're going to breathe in through our nose for five seconds. We're going to hold it for five seconds and then breathe out again and start it over. I'm going to guide you through this, and then we're going to add prayer. So with our eyes closed, as you pay attention to the breath and to your body, I want you to begin to breathe out through your mouth like you're breathing through a straw. Now breathe in through your nose slowly. Now hold that breath. Breathe out through the mouth. In through the nose. And hold it. And out. Open your eyes for a minute. I know that was short. But what was that like? Uh It was relaxing. Uh Most people are shaking heads. When we add prayer to this, there's there's two reasons why we breathe out through the mouth first. The first reason is it's easier to regulate yourself because breathing regulates your autonomic nervous system. That just means it helps you calm down. Breathing out first helps you regulate more effectively than breathing in first. But the second reason is when we breathe out, it represents me going, God, I am going to empty myself because I want you to fill me up. So when we breathe in again, I'm going to pray for us. When we breathe in and you feel the air coming through your nose, that is the breath, the Spirit of God just filling you up with whatever he wants to fill you up with, whatever you need. You can ask for something specific. I'm going to ask for whatever you need. When you hold that breath and you feel the pressure, that's God doing a work in you. Working whatever out. So as you breathe out again, it is a breath out of freedom. Whatever goes, that needs to go, goes. It's a breath out of freedom and a breath out of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free, filling me up. You ready? So let me pray for us, and I'm going to guide us through this. Father, I know we're doing a a practice breath work during this message that helps us calm down physically and psychologically, but I'm praying that you engage us spiritually and that you blow into each of us what we need now in the name of Jesus, I pray. So, Lord, we empty ourselves. So breathe out through the mouth. Father, fill us up. Breathe in through the nose. Now hold it. He's working in you. And out. He sets us free. Thank you, Jesus. And in. And hold. And out. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, 
as we're focusing on Him, one of the most powerful ways is to use all of who we are to position ourselves in worship. Yeah. To be able to re-anchor our thought life in His presence. So, if you would, let's let's practice this together. Yeah, stand, stand up with me. Open up your chest. Open up your arms. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your head. Yes, Lord. And we say, show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.